You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning, Jesus followers. I'm David Freeman, your Director of Community Impact. This morning, we get to talk about a wonderful topic. Some, uh, in the book, The Soloist, the author runs into a guy playing a violin on two strings, a bum, if you will, playing a violin on two strings, and, and he kind of digs into the guy's life and finds out the dude went to Juilliard 30 years previous. And the author kind of gets interested in the guy's life, and he tries to get the guy to transition from living on the street to living into an apartment, right, in a cared-for facility. And it's like pulling teeth. The guy just doesn't want to go because he's so used to where he is, and he's got that figured out that he just doesn't want to let go of that to move forward. Transitions. Pivot. We love to give them cool names, right? change. I mean, there are a few adventurous ones among us who hear those words and go, yeah, bring it, come on, and that's all they feel, freaks. (laughs) You know, there are a few among us who all they feel is, just, no. And, And for most of us, it's just this kind of mixed bag of emotions, you know, you're, you're hit with the excitement of the adventure and at the same time, the fear of leaving what you know. Uh, I've come to the end of second grade. I'm going to be a big third grader next year, but I've got to leave this teacher in this class. And, you know, I just, and then you, you move on. And I, I've come to the end of high school. and Oh, I get to go to college. Right? You get to the end of your freshman year and, Oh, I, okay, I'm going to pick my classes for my sophomore year. I've got to pick classes again. You know what I'm talking about? You, oh, I'm going to get married. Oh, I'm going to get married. Right? Or, oh, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to get married. Right? We, but, but there's excitement. I, I, I mean, oh, oh, boy. Oh, the big one. We're pregnant. We're pregnant. Or equally challenging. We're not pregnant. We're not pregnant. I mean, we just, we have these transitions all through life. Do I, do I leave this job and take that job? Yes, I'm, I'm moving to a new job. Ooh, I'm moving to a new job. Oh, I'm, I'm moving into retirement. Ugh, retirement. Or I'm, I'm never going to get to retire. I'm never going to retire. You know, it's just this they're, all those emotions are slamming in there together. Ooh, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. There's so many transitions in the middle of those. Those, those kind of tend to be the biggies in life. And yet, they don't have to be painful. They can be that wonderful thing. And transitions are great times when Jesus tells us, yes, you can trust me more, and I'm going to give you another opportunity to learn that lesson. Wow. Yeah. Schweitzer's in transition. I mean, this is a great sermon to be preaching on the day when we have the transition video. You know, we're moving out of Luke, and we're moving into looking back and looking forward. Bob's in transition. Spencer Smith, a new pastor, 
His whole family, they're in transition. We're in transition because we're all in this together. If you're not in transition in your personal life right at this moment, you soon will be. And that's life. we got to know how to do transitions really well. So we get to dig into three stories today. We're going to talk about Jesus and the transfiguration, which I'd never seen as a transition before until I got to preach this sermon with Bob. By the way, here is the Luke series, Bob's Gift to the Church. It is back there. It is free. And you could, I mean, you could just get on your cell phone and play games the rest of this hour because, or 20 minutes, however long I go. Because the sermon is in here, except it's Bob's sermon. And if you want to get my perspective on it, you've got to pay attention for the rest of this time, right? But I am going to summarize kind of Bob's transition story. When the Lord told him it was time to leave Schweitzer, kind of a cool thing. And then we'll kind of talk through, yeah, okay, so how do we apply all these things into our lives in our transitions, right? There are two themes that just keep popping up over and over throughout this sermon. Be open and expectant that God will break through in inexplicable and imaginative ways. And if... If you happen to have a miraculous experience, don't try to capture the moment in a selfie or build a monument, but confidently follow God's leading. Will you say these two points with me? Be open and expectant that God will break through in inexplicable and imaginative ways. And if you have a miraculous experience, don't try to capture the moment in a selfie or build a monument, but confidently follow God's leading. So we're in Luke today, Luke 9, 28 through 36. We were supposed to be in Luke 9, 28 through 36, March 3rd, but it snowed that much. (laughs) It was supposed to snow this much, right? But it snowed, and we canceled church, and so here we go. And you know, this is the perfect date for this sermon. I kind of consider it a bit of a miracle that God did that little moving around of sermon topics. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. Eight days later, so eight days previous, Jesus had just kind of dropped the bomb that he's going to die. His disciples had no clue what that meant. And Jesus did what Jesus does all the time. To prepare for transitions, Jesus always prays. How many times in Scripture did Jesus go away to pray? And I always thought about this story for my entire life. I've read this story and thought, oh, Jesus took the disciples up on the mountain so that they could see him turn into God. I've changed my mind this read-through. Jesus took his disciples up on the mountain to go pray with him. I think there's a good chance he didn't know the transfiguration was coming. I think the transfiguration was a gift from God to Jesus to really bolster him for what was coming. So prayer. Yeah, I love this quote. I was talking to my wife about this sermon. And she said, oh, oh, I'm reading this great book on prayer by Robert Mulholland. Prayer, the deep inner posture of one's being towards God in open receptivity and pliable responsiveness, open and expectant. 
a habitual orientation of our being towards God at the deepest levels. You know, it's just a fact of life in any skill that you want to do. If you don't practice that skill a lot, you won't be able to do it under duress. Are times of transition times of duress? Yes. They can be for all the reasons we've talked about, all those emotions slamming in. Oh, we've got to be people of prayer. We've got to be people who pray alone. We've got to be people who pray with each other so that when those transitions come, what do we run to? Yeah, we run to God in prayer just as Jesus showed us to do. And sometimes when that happens, and he was praying, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. Hey, bud, how you doing? It's been a while. I don't know how that conversation went. I'm just imagining. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. So here we go. God knows this really hard time is coming. He sends old friends to Jesus. He reminds Jesus of who he is. Poof, remember, you're God. I mean, he lights up, right? And, and, and I, I just, want, oh boy, I love what uh, the Bible Project, if you haven't looked at the Bible Project on YouTube, I highly recommend it. They point out that in this section, here you have Moses, the law, and Elijah, the prophet, the prophets, they represent the law and the prophets, the whole Old Testament. And right smack dab in the middle of them is the culmination of the whole Old Testament, the good news, standing right there. And we're about to go into what Seedbed calls, uh, you know, the church is about to wake up. <laughs> Literally, they're asleep, right? Well, let's, let's go there. Okay. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, I don't know if you're that way, you just blurt out what comes to your mind. you got to get over that. That's, that's another sermon. Okay, anyway. All right, so he just blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. I love this. Uh, Peter kind of has the same thing that we want to do. Sometimes God shows up in unmistakable God ways, and it is wonderful. It's bolstering. You can go on that energy for weeks and months, it seems. And we have this habit in our lives we really like to recreate euphoria. And so we, you know, Peter wanted to build a monument. How do we do that in our day? Hey, do you mind? I'm preaching a sermon. Can we just take this real quick? I just want to remember this moment. You know, selfie land is all over the world right now. Give me a break. Okay, I'm over 40. What do you expect me to say about selfies? So, but... We do that in many ways in the church. Oh, when I was 16, Kumbaya really took me into the Lord's presence. So we need to sing Kumbaya every Sunday. Right? We, we try to do that to each other. We try to recreate the moment when God spoke to us. But that's not really the point. God comes in and squelches that real, real, real quickly here. You've got the, the Old Testament and the, or the, 
the law and the prophets and the good news and the church, the rock and the sons of thunder, right, who are waking up, and they're all facing each other at the same moment. And God doesn't say, yes, let's memorialize this for the rest of the world. He said, no, 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 you don't get the point. Here's the point. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son. My chosen one, listen to him. That powerful moment. I think he was saying that to Jesus. How, how do you feel when, and many of us have not had this happen to us. I, parents are imperfect in this world. Somebody who is a parent figure for you. It seems like if our dad doesn't do this for us or our mom doesn't do, us for, do this for us, we find a dad figure or a mom figure who does. To put their arm around you and say, I am really proud of this person. And here's God doing this for Jesus again. And he's also giving the, the church its marching orders. Hey, when you're in transition... I know it's challenging. I know it's a little dubious. Just do it. Do what I tell you to do. It'll be wonderful. Jesus knows. Jesus knows the, the point of this whole thing. In verse 52, there's this powerful moment. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven. Oh, what's he looking at? Is he looking at the cross? No, he's looking at on the other side of the cross. I'm looking at the goal. The goal isn't to go to Jerusalem and die. The goal is to go to Jerusalem and on the other side of that, save the world. As we talked about this and that second point, if you experience a miraculous manifestation of God, don't cling to it. Um, it brought up a conversation I had with Bob years ago. And I kind of told him about a moment I had with God. And, and that I really, I, I, I compared everything now to that moment with God. And everything seemed kind of gray compared to that really colorful moment with God. And really what I wanted was to get that moment back again. And he told me, you know, what the ancient desert fathers said about that was, if you continuously have those kind of mysterious, miraculous moments with God, you tend to get proud and so rarely will he repeat those with you. And one uh, desert father writer said, you know, having those kind of God sightings is kind of like walking through the, the woods and sighting a deer. I, I don't know if you've done that much, but rarely, usually if you are out in the wild woods and you see a deer, how much of the deer do you see? You just see the tail <laughs> as it's gone. And, and that's what that writer said, is sometimes sighting God is kind of like sighting a deer out of the corner of your eye. And if you stop and try to look at the deer, it's definitely going to be gone. They just don't like to be seen that much. And I'm not sure. I'm not God. I, I don't know how he thinks about that and why he comes in sometimes and gives us miraculous moments and why he chooses others that it seems to he's kind of silent and leaving us to the, the other tools that he's given us. But when he does... Just take it as a wonderful gift and move on. Do what he tells you to do and go forward with life knowing that you received a great present from the Lord. Hmm. 
Bob's story. I, I like, the reason I put Bob's story in here is because it kind of models for us going through challenging times. So here's the story of Bob knowing it was transition time for him. He goes to New Hampshire. He's finishing up his training in spiritual director stuff, and he's sitting praying. And the way he's praying on that particular day is by, I don't think he, he types his prayers. He's too old for that, right? Yeah, he was probably writing his prayers. Uh, you could t- we, Hey, we do that behind the scenes. All right, it's okay to slam Bob's age. He knows that. All right. So he was writing his prayers, which I highly recommend that practice. If you find that your mind is just flying and you can't pray, I mean, you start to pray and then you think about this and that and this and that, that. Write your prayers. It tends to calm all that stuff. And as he was writing his prayers, he had the thoughts start flowing through his mind, Bob, the time has come. You need to be gone by next May. By the way, this is a year ago today. Well, a year ago in May, so May 2018. You need to be gone by May, Bob. And he said that as he was writing those things and feeling those words from the Lord, he also got this picture in his mind of standing over in the other building, kind of out in the foyer area, and Jesus was standing there with his arm pointed out the west doors, which would be entrance A. He said, it was clear as day in my mind that Jesus was saying, it's time for you to go. As a matter of fact, if you don't go within a year, the blessing will quit happening at Schweitzer. I mean, that's pretty poignant, right? And Bob came back, and he started the ball rolling for his retirement. He said, I knew that I knew that I knew that it was the time. Wow. And it, has it been easy for him or for anybody else? No. Transitions are not necessarily easy. However... There's always the hope of what's on the other side, and that's what makes transitions exciting. So what about you? What about your transitions? I, uh, oh, boy, I've, I've gone through so many renditions of how you go through transitions. How many of you have dis- uh, studied decision-making Looked up, you know, Googled how to make good, good decisions, how to do creative thinking. And, yeah, you try it, and, ah, that one worked for me, that one doesn't work for me. And, and one time you try something, and it seems to work a little bit. And the next time you try something, it worked really well, and you try that same thing a third time, and it doesn't work very well at all. Life is challenging. Here's, here's uh, something that Bob likes to use from Mary Margaret Funk. And he put it in his book, Practicing Prayer, and it is repeated again in this book. So we'll, we'll throw these up on the screen. And if you really want to get deep, wise thoughts about all these points, read the book. Or watch Bob's sermon. I'm going to emphasize, pray. Pray for enlightenment. Pray alone and pray with other people. Other people whom, with whom you are used to praying. Who you know to be prayer warriors who will speak honestly into your life. And then uh, you've, got, you've got these things that are kind of, uh, I've seen these thoughts in a lot of other decision-making models. Sort your thoughts, virtually live the direction. I'm going to pause on look for a confirming sign. Because earlier in the message I said, be open and expectant to God making these miraculous signs, but don't need them. All right? So going into a decision time, uh, whether the transition is forced on you, or it's a transition that you're choosing for yourself, you still have decisions to make in every transition. And 
what I would add to that look for a confirming sign is with the community with whom you are deeply engaged. I often, there's, there's great things in Proverbs about where there are lots of counselors, the decisions are better, right? So I read scripture. Yes, pray. Pray with your friends. Tell them, tell them what you're thinking. And, and do you, you know, what you know about me, is this a good decision for my life? And then comes the hard part. Make the decision. So I was thinking about this. I've led hundreds of groups orienteering in the woods. That means using a map and compass to find your way in the woods, what some people lovingly refer to as getting lost and wandering in the woods. Right? And it, it, it was pretty interesting trying to figure out why do groups stress so much over making the next decision about which way to go? And I, I came to a realization, I think, and maybe I, I just believe this about those groups because I came to realize it's the way I am in my life. One of the main things that makes me not want to choose path A is what am I missing on path B? Or worse yet, if path A proves to be a wrong choice, I'm going to have to backtrack. It was amazing watching the <laughs> monumental waste of energy groups would do to try to prevent backtracking. How many of you love to go down a path in life and realize it was the wrong path and have to go back a couple years? Why is that so terrifying to us? And I started wondering about that. What, what is it about making that decision? What is it about redos, about realizing that I didn't choose the most efficient path to comfort and security, that I chose the one that had thorns and poison ivy in it? Or, hey, what paths have other groups chosen? Am I, how am I doing compared to other groups? Am I choosing well? Is this a good decision? And time and time and time again, as a facilitator, I would say it doesn't matter. You're here. You're right here right now. This is the only group around. And as I was saying those words, I would hear God saying to me, David, are you listening? Really, the only thing that matters in this life is loving God and loving people. David, can you do that while you're going through thorns and poison ivy? Yes, Lord. Can you do that while you're backtracking? Yes. So theoretically, you can go through thorns and poison ivy or backtrack with exactly the same joy and fun as you can go down the most easy, direct path. Right, David? Yeah. So making a decision to just go down a path should be pretty easy and straightforward, right? Well, Lord... Only if I truly believe what you just said. That's right. That's right. Ritualize the decision. You know, once the decision has been made, you actually have to go do it. Well, you don't have to. You can sit there with good intentions for the rest of your life. That's something that many people choose to do. When you 
get up and start doing it and actually move down that path of decision that you chose. One of the hard things, one of the big temptations is to constantly second guess. I think we, I still think we should have gone that way or this one. I love this one. I told you so. And, and part of the challenge of going through a transition, making the decision and going down a certain path is never regretting that you made that choice. Ooh, I work with a bunch of addicts. I'm not sure that I agree with that, what I just said. Okay, let me, let me add a little caveat to that. One of the challenges of praying faithfully, praying with your group, and really trying to discern the Lord's will, even if you have a miraculous moment where you are very confident that the Lord put you down a certain direction, years later when that gets hard, it's very tempting to second-guess that decision. And I must never do that. It's okay to say, you know what? This has gone long enough. I feel like it's time to pivot. The Lord is telling us to change. But I must never put the weight on myself of, oh, I really screwed up. Because you know what? This life is too complicated. What really matters in life? Loving the Lord. Loving people. Doing what he told me to do. What was the last thing that God said to Jesus, the good news, and the rock and the sons of thunder, the church standing there. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Yeah, be open to miraculous expressions of God on this earth. And don't need them. We've got other tools. He's given us all sorts of great things. Transitions are God's training ground to teach us to trust. Enjoy the training. It's a decision. So let's see the last two points. Here we go. Will you say these with me? Be open and expectant that God will break through in inexplicable and imaginative ways. And if you have a miraculous experience, don't try to capture the moment in a selfie or build a monument, but confidently follow God's leading. Thank you.